Exodus 31, and we're going to read just the verses 12 through 18 of this chapter. Exodus 31, beginning at verse 12. What we hear now is God's word. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back section of your Trinity Psalter hymnal, to page, nine, excuse me, 891 in the back, page 891, and Lord's Day 38. This morning I will read for you question and answer 103. Lord's Day 38, question 103. What is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? First, that the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained, and that, especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Well, we have been studying together the law of God as explained for us in the Heidelberg Catechism, in the third section of the Catechism, that section dealing with how we respond to God because of his glorious gift of salvation. Our keeping of the law is a response to what God has done. And this morning, we come to the fourth commandment, the commandment dealing with keeping the Sabbath day holy. When I was growing up, I think that the focus that I was given on keeping the Sabbath day holy was on things we could not do. There were certain things we could do any other day of the week, but on Sunday we could not do certain things. 
we could not go swimming on Sunday. Uh, we could not watch TV on Sunday, except for the Walt Disney show. We could watch Walt Disney. Uh, there were a number of things we just, we couldn't do on Sunday. We certainly would never consider going to a restaurant on Sunday. That's how I was brought up. I think I was brought up to see the Sabbath as, as really a set of thou shalt nots, the things we should not do on the Lord's day. Perhaps uh, you had a similar upbringing. Sunday was a day of things we don't do. If that was the case, as it was with me, that is certainly contrary to the way the command is given to us. The, the first three commands in the law certainly have a negative flavor to them. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Second commandment, you shall make no graven images of God. Third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But then, we get to the fourth commandment. Not a negative command, but remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, positive feeling, positive blessing in this command. And so today we're going to talk about not so much what we don't do on the Christian Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, but how is it we keep the Sabbath holy? Keeping is an active thing. We're going to talk about the things we do on the Lord's Day. And children, this morning I'm going to talk about uh, in the first point, the work that we do on Sunday. And when I say the work that we do on Sunday, I'm going to use that word in a little different way than you might normally think. Usually, when we think of work, we think of maybe the chores mom and dad give us to do, or we think of the job mom and dad go to. When we talk about work this morning, we're going to talk about a particular type of work. Works of, the word is piety. How it is we show God our love by the things that we do. So when I talk about the works on Sunday, I don't want you to think about, first of all, about going to a job or doing a chore, but, but what is it we positively do to receive the blessing of keeping the Sabbath day holy? Our confession certainly uses that type of language. The question is asked, what is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? And it tells us what we should do. What's the work we should do? That especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people. Diligently attend the assembly of, what, what, of God's people. What does that mean, kids? It means we go to church. On Sunday, we have the privilege of going to church. That's part of the command of keeping the day. And so really, really coming to church on Sunday is not an option for us. We need to be here. It is God's command for us to gather together to worship. In a certain sense, we don't have a choice. 
but to come. God, God has set a day aside for works of piety, for gathering for worship. And we have an obligation, an obligation to show him our love, to show him our devotion, to gather with God's people. This is where he wants us to be. This is where he commands us to be. What's the work of the Lord's Day that I diligently, diligently attend the worship of God's people? Now, I'm not going to try to over-exegete the catechism or to make it say something it doesn't say. But there is something important about attendance at worship. That means being here. Now, I am very thankful that we have technology today that will allow those who cannot be here, who cannot be here for health concerns, perhaps they're out of town, they cannot be here, they can still see the worship. They can live stream what's going on. But for those who can be here, Live stream is no substitute for real live worship. If you are healthy, if you are in town, if you are able, you belong here. We cannot say on Sunday morning or Sunday evening, let's just live stream it today. Let's just live stream it today. God wants us here that I diligently attend the gathering, the assembly of God's people. Again, for those who cannot be here, we are so thankful for modern technology. But if we can, live stream is a pale substitute for being with the body of Christ, for gathering with the people of God. Because it's here, it's here in this fellowship that we fulfill the other obligations, the works of Sunday. I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's Word teaches. We gather to be instructed. The work on Sunday is a learning work. Learning is active. We are to learn what God's Word teaches. Certainly, we always want to do that, but it seems like in the week we get so terribly busy with all kinds of other wonderful things. We don't spend time focusing on learning what God's Word teaches. And so he allows us to gather, publicly be instructed from the Word of God. That's why it's so important, kids, to, to listen carefully when the sermon is being preached. That's why it's so important, parents, to help our kids to listen. Now, I know, I know everyone has a different learning style, but there's, a, there's just something good and helpful about learning to take notes in church. Now, those will be age-appropriate. When our kids were really, really little, all they had to do was draw a picture of the sermon. What, what was the sermon? You draw a picture of the sermon. That got interesting sometimes, uh, because I'd go over those notes with the kids afterwards. Oh... I didn't know I talked about a hippopotamus today. So they, have inter they hear things in a certain way. But as they grow, then just have them write. What's one sentence about the service? What did you hear the minister? Write down one sentence. 
And then maybe it's, okay, write down one sentence under each of the points on the outline. And we help our children to grow. We help them learn how to learn. How to learn from the Word of God. It's a process. We gather to learn from God's Word, and of course we do that privately as well. We do that then after church, around the table, as we sit together as a family, and we talk about what did the minister say this morning. I I hope, I hope that is a regular topic of conversation on the Lord's Day at your table. Now, don't have roast preacher. Okay, that's something completely different. But talk about what did the minister say and how do we apply that in our lives? We publicly gather for instruction. We privately around the table, around the home. Perhaps, perhaps there's, a, there's something in the text that, that you want to look at more carefully. God gives us Sunday afternoon to spend time in his word. You know, thoughts come to our minds. Hey, I'm going to make a note about that. I want to learn more about that. And God gives us this day to learn from him in his word. We gather in assembly to our, our confessions as participate in the sacraments, the sacraments, those signs and seals of what God has done for us. And we participate in those either directly or indirectly. I think it's easy for us when we see a baptism to say, okay, well, they're participating in the sacrament. We're just watching. But even when we watch a baptism, We, by faith, participate because we are reminded. We're reminded once again that God has made promises to us. Just like he makes promises to that person being baptized, God made promises to us. We remember he has promised to wash all our sins away by the blood of Jesus Christ. That glorious gospel promise, that glorious truth that's declared again this morning, that if you are here and have not confessed your sins, embrace Jesus Christ and he will wash all your sins away. That glorious gospel promise seen every time we have a baptism. When we gather around the Lord's table, which we will do next Sunday, We're reminded once again of God's goodness to us, that he promises to continue to feed us with the body and blood of Christ. We are fed by by his word and by his spirit. We have that ongoing strengthening again and again and again. The sacraments remind us of God's care for his people. We are called, as our confession says, to, to pray publicly. Now, I think that assumes, that assumes We are praying privately at home. We are regularly spending time in prayer, but as we gather for worship, the assembly of God's people, we pray publicly. And I think I mentioned a week or so ago, that is one of the difficult parts of the service. I know that's a difficult part, kids. To to think during that prayer. When I was growing up, we just called that the long prayer. Maybe you still call it the long prayer. It's the long prayer. And it's not an easy thing. It is work, it is labor to engage in that prayer. But I hope that as that prayer is being prayed, we, in a certain sense, fill that out. When we pray for those who are sick, we think, oh yeah, my brother is sick or my sister is sick, and we fill out that prayer. We pray for those who are hurting. Oh, I have somebody in school who's hurting. I'm going to pray for them. We we fill out the petitions being brought before the Lord, and we enter into that prayer publicly 
as the people of God. We are here to to bring Christian offerings for the poor. The offering is a part of our worship service. Uh, We recently, as a consistory, affirmed that. I know that many churches um, in the last year, with various COVID restrictions to try to keep people safe, uh, took the offering out of the worship service. We did the same thing. It was a matter of safety. And then the discussion became, do we put it back or not? We've gotten used to the baskets at the door, makes the service a little bit shorter. Why do we put the offering back in or why do we keep it out? The offering is a part of our worship. It's a part of our expression of our love for God, our devotion to Him. We give thankfully, we give joyfully. And so, yes, along with with singing and all these things, we brought the offering back into the service as something we do in praise to God when we gather publicly with with the assembly of His people. Of course, there are other works we do on on the Lord's Day. We do works of necessity. Some things just have to be done. We recognize that. Certainly, we have to have something to eat. We can sustain life on the Lord's Day on the Christian Sabbath. I, I, I certainly hope my wife will do her Sabbath work after church and make me lunch today. That's a regular thing we do on the Lord's Day. Sustaining life, uh, eating together. And of course, works of mercy on the Lord's Day. Not only piety in church, works of necessities to sustain life, but works of mercy, works of care, works of service for others. Those things that perhaps we would love to do but are just too busy during the work week. God gives us a day He gives us the Christian Sabbath day set aside for those types of works, visiting those who who are lonely, writing letters to missionaries or to others, various things we can do to fill the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath day holy, the active things that we do, the works that we do on the Lord's day. Of course, if we're going to do these works, it means we're going to rest from other things. We set aside our certain works so we can focus on our Sunday works. Can you imagine if we tried to do all our regular uh, workday activities and add all these things to it? Well, there's just not enough time in the day. So we set aside our daily work. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it That soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. God has given us six days for our regular, daily, ordinary work. But on the seventh day, we set those works aside that we might do our Sunday work. And parents, we have to help our kids learn that as well. That on Sunday, there are particular blessings that we have. It is special to enter into the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath, and the special things we do that, way, that, that day. Again, that'll be age appropriate. Uh, maybe when our kids are littler, we have a certain um, set of toys or maybe a certain couple of books, and those 
are saved for Sunday. These are the special things we have. The special, we set aside all the regular stuff, but these, these are the special books. And then make those the good books, okay? Don't read the encyclopedia on Sunday. Make it the good books. The books with the beautiful pictures and the wonderful stories. These are the Sunday books. Helps our children to get the idea there's something special going on. This is not just one more day. It's not Saturday plus one. This is Sunday, the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath. And help our kids enter into that. They begin to set the patterns very early in their life. And so I want to be, I want to be very practical this morning as I think about the beginning of the school year for our elementary school kids, for our high school kids. Kids, you're back in school again, and we're thankful for that. And that is your daily labor. When you're kids, that's what you do. You spend five days going to school. That's your daily labor. And so I want to encourage you that on Sunday, you set that labor aside, and parents help them. Help them set that labor aside. I think one of the saddest things I hear is, oh, we got to get home because I have a, a test tomorrow I've got to study for. We got to get home because I got to finish a paper. We got to get home because I got a chapter I got to read. Our kids' education is their daily work. Help them set it aside. Rest from it on the Lord's day. Now, kids, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you can go to school tomorrow and say, I didn't get my reading done because Reverend Niemeyer told me I didn't have to. That's not what that means. Six days you shall labor. <laughs> that means you work hard the rest of the week. That means maybe on Saturday, rather than playing all day, you spend your time doing your homework. Six days you shall labor so that you can rest and your mind can be focused when you come to worship and not think about all the other things that have to be done yet. The same for all of us as adults. We set aside our daily labor that we can focus on gathering together for worship, on bringing God the praise that he deserves. Because there is a certain symbol in the Christian Sabbath. We read in verse 17, this Sabbath, it is a sign forever now, we didn't talk this morning about the change from Sabbath to Sunday. That's another whole sermon, perhaps sermon series. Uh, we're talking about the Sabbath as the Christian Sabbath. It is a sign forever, the, con the continuity, the continuation, forever between me and the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. What's the reason that we work for six days and rest on one? It's because that's what God did. And we reflect something of who he is when we do the same. God himself set the pattern. For six days on that creation week, God labored. He worked. And then he set aside that creative work. And on the seventh day, he rested and he was refreshed. 
There's a, there's a beautiful symbolic picture when we reflect the work that God did. God set aside his daily labor. And on that, on that Sabbath day, he would then be refreshed and rest from the work he had done. And when man, through his disobedience, would fall into sin, God's labor changed. His labor was no longer a creative labor. He set that aside. Now it was a recreative labor. As God would do the work of reconciliation, of, of bringing man back to him again, God would send his son to fulfill the work of redemption, to do everything necessary for our salvation. We don't need to work. We don't need to labor to be saved. Christ did the work. We find our rest in him god himself set aside his creative work and he did his redemptive work our confession says in the second half of the answer that every day of my life i rest from my evil ways let the lord work in me through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal sabbath i am to rest from my evil ways This coming week is a week of anticipation of coming to the Lord's table. And our regular practice is to examine ourselves as we come to the table. And certainly, one of the questions we want, we want to ask ourselves, am I setting aside my evil ways? Or am I continuing to hold on to them and go headlong into them? God has called us to rest, to set aside our evil ways. And as we, as we reflect on coming to the table, and we find ourselves still, still struggling with those evil ways, we know that that will not keep us from the table, but it drives us even more to recognize Jesus Christ, to recognize what He has done, that our salvation is not dependent on who we are or what we have done, but it is totally dependent on what he has done. We are to begin even now the eternal Sabbath. God does give us a foretaste of heaven as we begin to see his work in our lives, as we see his spirit, even with the small beginnings, we begin to live as God would have us. And we enter into even now the, the inklings of that eternal, final rest, not of inactivity, but of constantly working, praising God for who He is and for what He has done. This is a sign for you and for the generations. We read that twice in this passage, verse 13. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me throughout your generations. And once again, in verse 16, Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Those wonderful truths continue even today. The blessing continues even today. And the command to keep the Sabbath holy. Remember it. Remember what God has done. Remember the blessings we have received. God has has fully worked out his beautiful plan of salvation. He set aside one work, the work of creation, that he might accomplish the work of redemption. And we are the beneficiaries. In loving response to that, we hear these words, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, 
and we say, yes, Lord, yes, we too will enter into the blessedness of Sabbath keeping. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do praise you and thank you that you are the God who does all things well. You are the God who has given us the most perfect example of working six days and then resting. Lord God, may we reflect that in our lives. We know that will be done in different ways, in different homes, but all with the desired goal of honoring your command because we love you, because we want to serve you. Thank you this morning for calling us together that we might diligently attend your worship service. Lord God, bless us throughout the rest of this day. We might continue to enjoy the blessings of the Christian Sabbath. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.